questions you always had. The answers you were never given. The place to seek the truth. Welcome to Veritas. It is not that frequent that I get the opportunity and the privilege to interview those with their finger in the pulse of what is truly happening around us worldwide. By popular demand, tonight we open a window into the world of the well-known and respected platform SGT Report. SGT Report is the corporate propaganda antidote, providing exclusive original content and interviews with some of the best-known voices in the world of economics and precious metals. It is your daily source of our truth in a time of universal deceit. As the global economic outlook continues to deteriorate, SGT Report urges its readers to prepare for seismic shifts in the global financial system and to prepare for the end of the U.S. dollar's reign as the world's reserve currency. If you're a newcomer, welcome home. To listen to tonight's full interview and all of our material, join the Veritas family and click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can subscribe with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focused Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, Flash Drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas Seasons, and other great products. And if you want to get in touch with Mel, want to be a guest on this radio program, have a guest suggestion, or have feedback, just click on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. And now, here's your host, Mel Fabregas. Tonight's special guest is Sean from SGT Report. Sean obtained his degree in journalism from the University of Wisconsin in the late 90s and then worked as a producer and director for 20 years, including 10 years making commercials for the iconic Target Corporation. After leaving Target and while continuing to direct commercials in 2010, Sean founded SGT Report on YouTube and sgtreport.com to combat corporate propaganda and the endless lies coming from the mockingbird mainstream news media. SGT Report is a daily source for real news and truth in a time of nearly universal deceit. Sean also founded two other truth news websites, thefacer.com and the Liberty mill.com. Sean joins us directly from somewhere in the good old United States. Hello, Sean, and welcome to Veritas. How are you? Well, I'm good. I'm really good. Thanks for having me on, Mel. I'm a big fan of yours, and I've uh, listened to you for many years. Well, thank you. I'm honored to hear that. It's a, it's a privilege. I've been following your work for years, and people are all the time saying, hey, did you listen to, to Sean and SGT? And of course, I listen to you and, and watch a lot of your videos. First, I know that my audience knows you, but there's we have a lot of people from all over the world. And if there's anybody out there who doesn't know you, I want to know your story, Sean. And, and first of all, let me just say this for the record. I envy the fact that you decided from the very beginning to remain anonymous. Because if, if I had a wish right now of what I do, it would be just that. And people might say to me, oh, but Mel, you, 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 you tell your name. That gives a lot of truth. No, folks, you have no idea what that does to your personal life. So for me, if I could turn back time, 
I would have done it with a pseudonym, just like many people write great books using a pseudonym. But let's go back in time and tell me about the beginning. Just tell me your story, first of all. Wow. Um, well, thanks for saying that. Uh, it is interesting about sort of trying to preserve some of your anonymity to the degree that, uh, you know, I have a family. Um, I still have uh, a couple of minor kids, uh, a couple of whom are no longer minor kids. So I'm aging myself here. But, uh, you know, from the beginning, I kind of always wanted to protect their privacy to the degree that I knew early on. And when I say early on, it was really the awakening that took place after the events of 9-11, Mel. I don't know what your awakening was like, but without 9-11 having happened, I'm not sure I would have woken up as soon as I woke up, and certainly not in the way that I woke up. So early on when I realized uh, that uh, another building had collapsed that day, uh, World Trade Center 7, at 5.20 or so in the afternoon, when I realized that, and I realized the mainstream media wasn't reporting about it, I knew something was wrong. And then when I discovered that the BBC had reported about the collapse of that building about 20 minutes prior to the collapse of World Trade Center 7, with Jane Stanley, the BBC reporter, famously reporting, quote-unquote, live from New York City with the World Trade Center 7, known as the Solomon Brothers Building, standing behind her, and she's reporting that that building had just collapsed. Quote, details are sketchy, she said. Well, you bet they were sketchy details because the building was still smoking behind her, Mel. And 20 minutes later, the building collapsed. So I quickly realized that this was going to be an epic battle between the forces of light and the forces of darkness. And when I tried to wake up friends, neighbors, and colleagues to what I had discovered about the 9-11 story, I was working at, at Target at the time, as you mentioned. And these are really close friends of mine, people I played poker with, buddies. I was an executive at uh, Target, creative director for years, making commercials. And these were trusted friends. And when I showed them the collapse of World Trade Center 7, they thought, hmm, well, you know what? Planes hit buildings that day, falling debris, so what? And then when I showed them the clip of uh, the BBC reporting about the collapse of that building early, one of my friends said, how do you know this is real? This looks like a doctored clip. How do you know that's not green screen? So I immediately found myself up against cognitive dissonance. And the more I spoke out about that event in the workplace as an executive, the less popular I became. Uh, you tend not to want to get on the, um, the bad side of a corporation talking about quote unquote conspiracy theories. And so once I started to make videos and I started my YouTube channel, I made the choice to just do so um, as SGT, you know, I, which are my initials, um, you know, for those who have served in our military, God bless you and uh, thanks for your service. SGT does not stand for Sergeant Report. They are my initials. I had a best friend in high school who used to call me SGT uh, and I would call him CKM occasionally. That's sort of a thing we had and a bunch of us would go by our initials. So anyway, when I started the YouTube thing, I didn't know it would turn into anything of size or substance, but I wanted to share these stories about the Patriot Act, about the John Warner Defense Authorization Act, about the Military Commissions Act, all of which rolled out after 9-11 on the back of that story. And I wanted people to understand we were giving up our rights based on a false narrative, based on a story that did not stand up to scrutiny, the 9-11 story. 
And so that's why I sort of tried to remain um, not so much anonymous, but I didn't want to call attention to me and my name. To me, the stories I was going to tell and the news I wanted to present was bigger than any one person. So it wasn't wasn't about getting famous. Um, And my hat's off to people who do use their full names. Um, I think Mark Dice, I think that is his real name. He used to go by, um, what did he used to go by? The uh, Terminator John... John, the name escapes me. The Terminator character is the name he used to go by, but now he goes by Mark Dice. And uh, other truth tellers out there like Dan Bongino doing a fantastic job. My hat's off to him. Absolutely. Um, But for me personally, I was trying to protect my ability to continue to work in the commercial industry. First of all, I had to protect my ability to make a living for my family. And number two, trying to protect my minor children and their privacy from what I knew was going to become ad hominem attacks hurled at any of us who dared question official stories and narratives, Mel. First of all, 9-11 was what did it for me as well. I had a, a sibling that came to me a few weeks after the event and sent me a PowerPoint presentation that showed that no plane had crashed at the Pentagon. And with all the logistics and all the physics behind it and the cognitive dissonance just came upon me. And I said, how dare you insinuate that our well-intentioned government had anything to do with this? And shortly after, I stopped talking to him for a while. And shortly after, I started looking into it in silence and researching and researching. And it's when the eureka moment came to me and, and I thought, Things are not as they appear. And I thought, oh my goodness. But also in 1998 is when I left a Fortune 100 company. And it took me 10 years. I I became an entrepreneur at that time. But it took me 10 years before I started Veritas. Otherwise, I probably would have became anonymous. But thank goodness that I did not work for somebody else because otherwise I would be unemployed. And as right now, I'm unemployable. Because of this, all you have to do is just Google my name and that's it. Anybody, you know, from both sides of the spectrum, everybody would look at, at what we discuss and they just, uh, people who are not ready, who people who run with the herd are not ready to wake up. And this is why a lot of philosophers who I talk to say to me, if they're not ready to be woken, then you just have to present the facts and let them do it when they're ready to do it. But, you know, in my philosophy, if I see my neighbor's house that's burning down, my job is to go knock on the door and say there's smoke coming out of out of your house. If they decide not to yield to what I'm saying, then it's it's them. What do you think? Well, I couldn't agree with you more. And um, it's interesting to hear your story about that. You know, your cognitive dissonance in your upbringing and in your indoctrination uh, prevented you from even entertaining the idea that 9/11 could have been anything other than what we were told. And, you know, at that point, I think back in time, as we look back at 9-11 in the months and years after, one of the first people to use the term or coin the term deep state was Peter Dale Scott. And he would talk about the deep state and I would read his articles and I would report about his articles and activities and, and things being rolled out by the deep state. And so I think it's really powerful to talk about 9-11 as... Um, a defining day in human history that woke so many of us up. And believe me, I didn't wake up on 9-11 that day. But what happened to me specifically on that day is I was home 
and I had the Today Show on, and I was getting ready. And I wasn't at the time a big Today Show watcher. I just like to have you know morning news on whatever. But it was the Today Show, and you know they broke in, and then they said something crazy is happening happening in New York. It appears that um, some sort of airplane has hit the World Trade Center. Let's go live, and they cut. Now, obviously, that alone is jarring. I've never seen anything like that in my life. And so while I was watching it, I called a buddy of mine, uh, my closest friend at the time, and I told him, Dave is his name, and I said, Dave, are you watching this? And he's like, no, what's up? I'm driving, he's a salesman. Uh, I said, well, turn on the radio because something crazy is happening in New York City. They say a plane hit the World Trade Center, but it's a beautiful blue sky day. So there's no way that this could have happened by accident, in my opinion. This is just nuts. Um, so I wonder if it's like a suicide bomber plane or some type of thing. And we're having this conversation. And as we're having the conversation and sort of talking about how strange this is, the second plane hit the second tower, Mel. And if I had been sitting in a chair, I would have fallen out of it. And I said to him at that point, I said, <clears throat> this, this is an attack. This is obviously coordinated. And uh, so just for the audience's sake, part of the reason that I did so much research about this is that I said goodbye to my friend, Dave. I said, I'll call you back in the car. I'm going to go to work. I knew I didn't have to go to work, but I wanted to be around my other friends that I was close with, some of whom I've mentioned here earlier, my poker buddies. So I get in the car and I'm driving to work. And um, I guess I don't fully remember. I must have had on AM radio or news radio or been listening to the reports, but it wasn't until I got to work that I had realized or found out that both towers collapsed. Now, that made absolutely no sense to me. So even though I watched in real time the planes being hit, I didn't watch them collapse in real time. So when I got to work, I had already sort of in my head gone through the, um, the subsequent weeks in which they would rebuild these towers because there was no way they were going to collapse, Mel. That wasn't even within the realm of possibility in my thinking. It'd be like having a 100-year oak tree in your backyard and somebody blows a little hole through the top, you know, 80% of it right at the very top, the whole tree's not going to collapse in right. on itself down to the ground. So I'd already thought about how are they going to rebuild these towers and fix these? It's strange to think that, you know, a year from now they will have done that and people will be back in the towers. I get to work and I'm told both towers are gone. That didn't make any sense. So that contributed to my head scratching uh, about that day. And then subsequently, I couldn't grab, I couldn't get my mind around the idea that people would willingly jump out of those towers because, you know, they weren't towering infernos at that point. Those fires burned out pretty quickly. And yet people were jumping out of those towers like they couldn't take the heat. And that didn't make any sense to me. And then we find out about architects and engineers for truth. And we find out about all the research, the thermite, the nanothermite being found in the dust, none of it being reported by the mainstream media. And then you realize that maybe the towers were so hot inside because they were little, literally melting um, steel cores were melting on purpose to bring the towers down. All sorts of theories about how those towers were brought down, including uh, mini nukes in the basement. But the bottom line is, had that day not happened in the way that it happened, I wonder how many people would still be asleep. And I think the good news is, Mel, people are waking up literally in droves. People all over the world are waking up to this hidden government, this shadow hand, this uh, shadow government, which also, I think, is or wants to be a global government, a one world government. 
And people around the world are rebelling against that idea. And so I think it's really important that people like you and me and other people in the truth media, which Google is actively trying to silence, YouTube is actively trying to silence, it's super important that we have these conversations in the hopes that we might wake up another hundred or thousand people. Let's talk about the censorship in a moment, but let me just say this. I don't think I've ever mentioned this on the air, but that week of 9-11, my wife and I had a vacation plan to Europe. And uh, they canceled the flights, and our our flight was one of the first planes to leave the United States. So we went to uh, Switzerland and some other places. But I remember vividly being in a boat in the Rhine in Switzerland. And at that time, all Americans that were traveling would stick to each other. I remember this because of what happened. It felt like, you know, their family, let's just stick around. And I remember this couple next to me, and his name was Walt, the husband, and he was former military And he said to me, what you saw on TV is not what they're telling you. And believe me, at that time, I was so brainwashed and I was listening. Like, there's no way those buildings would have fallen. He told me all those things that we're discussing years later. And he said, it's a joke that they all of a sudden said, Osama bin Laden working from a cave. And I'm thinking, this is a form of military telling me all this going against the narrative. But, you know, I I kind of ignored him, but never forgot what he said. I just wanted to send that out to people out there because I don't think I've ever shared that story, how some people are so open, open in their mind, especially if you have been working for the military, you know what's afoot. But censorship, you have suffered it. I have suffered it. Many of our colleagues have suffered it. How, how, how are you doing with censorship these days? Well, it hasn't chilled my speech so far, but you can definitely see I'm, I'm not sure how you feel about YouTube, and I know you've got your own uh, pirate ship, is what Adam Carolla likes to describe his uh, <laughs> right. podcast as being. You've built your own pirate, pirate ship where people have to come to you to get the content, and that's quite brilliant. Um, and I might eventually get there. I mean, I am on Patreon and stuff like that, and of course, all my videos all automatically get posted to BitChute, um, but YouTube is still the biggest public square in the world. And, you know, last year I was adding 30 to 40,000 new subscribers per month and I was kind of excited about it. Even my kids started to take notice and they were asking me, dad, when do you think you'll get to a million subscribers? (laughs) And as I did the math, I thought probably early 2020, Mel, maybe even sooner than that, late 2019, early 2020. Um, and, uh, that's not going to happen now. <laughs> They've got me down to between a thousand and this past month, I got a little better 4,000 new subscribers. But, um, when YouTube announced they were changing their algorithms in January of, uh, this year, they were very, uh, explicit about it and very specific. And they said that they were going to change their algorithms to filter out what they call misinformation. And when I say they, I mean YouTube and their trusted partners like the ADL and Snopes and whoever else they employ to make these decisions. So the conversation that you and I are having that has so far been couched around 9-11 and false flag terror, this video would be deemed not suitable for most advertisers on YouTube. So number one, you couldn't get any advertising revenue from it. And number two, it might be... um, I don't know, restricted, age restricted, certainly shadow banned, because since we are not supporting the official narrative, the narrative that would be supported by Snopes and the ADL regarding 9-11, this is considered misinformation. The conversation we're having, two educated, 
passionate, informed adults, Mel and I, this is considered misinformation by YouTube. So it begs the question, how accurate was George Orwell when he wrote 1984? Because I think evidently we can extrapolate that YouTube is using that book as a uh, roadmap. It's a guidebook. So that's where I stand on uh, censorship. And then Google also is changing their algorithms and has changed their algorithms, uh, which has hurt all sorts of alternative news uh, media websites across you know, the globe, Mel. They don't want this information being found. And to me, it's a little bit, you know, the lady doth protest too much. You know, it's a little Shakespearean in their fear of this information. The fact that they would go out of their way to publicly decry this information and publicly lash out and call it misinformation or disinformation and then publicly announce they're going to change their algorithms to filter it out. Boy, what are they so afraid of? And I've been advising people, Mel, stop using Google because not only do they spy on you and track everything you do, their platform, the most popular website on earth is Google. The second most popular website on earth is YouTube. Google is now useless. If you want to search for truth, as I was doing left and right for the past 10 years, doing my own research, Google is becoming a very unusable tool. I find that Bing does a much, much better job. If you want to search for truth videos or truth news or any of the subjects that we might be talking about today, Agenda, UN Agenda 2030, uh, vaccines and autism, 9-11 and false flag terror, you're going to find better results using Bing than Google. But isn't so, Bing owned by Microsoft? I, I believe it is. I know. And I made that point in a recent video. I said, hey, I'm no fan of Microsoft, but I'm getting much, much better search results from Bing than Google. Do a test. People listening right now, do a test. Open Google and then open Bing and just do a test. And you tell me which is getting giving you more truthful search results results that are more uh, in service to your keyword searches. It's Interesting. Night and day. Yeah, it's night and day. Because I've been trying DuckDuckGo recently because Google, as you say, it's, it's, it's becoming Hydra. And as you probably know this, they're entering the pharmaceutical industry. Imagine this, when they become their own pharmaceutical industry and they have a way for people to search. If anybody's looking for alternative solutions... And if they control the information flow, they have the monopoly on information. On I mean, it's like Amazon. We all love and hate Amazon in many ways because they're destroying, you know, mom and pop's business just like Walmart did, but in a larger scale now. But Amazon, they have the CIA in their pocket. They have the building their database behind the scenes. They have the New York Post. And I remember when I was little, and I remember when they broke up the baby bells and AT&T. We don't hear the dissolution or the trivestiture of companies anymore, do you? No, but you make a good point about Amazon. They have the, uh, is it a $500 million? I think it is, $500 million cloud computing contract with the CIA. Correct. Is that right? That's correct. And Bezos bought WAPO, Washington Post, so that's why now people call it Bezos Blog. I mean... We're getting our, our news in this country, if you, at least if you follow WAPO, from a billionaire who bought it, Bezos. And then over at CNN, I don't know about you. Do you watch CNN at all, man? <laughs> Just for laughs. Well, yeah, I watch it when I go to the club and I run on a treadmill every single day. And I frequently, almost every day, will turn on CNN 
Because I like to say now, if you want to know what the deep state talking points are, watch CNN for a half hour, right. and then go watch MSNBC for a half hour, and you will be up to speed on all of the anti-Trump news strategies and talking points that are essentially deep state CIA talking points. And that's not hyperbole. I, I actually mean that quite specifically and literally. I so, saw how ABC and NBC both well, you probably saw Project Veritas uh, recently when a hot mic on the reporter who said, I've had this since 2015, and I was told not to air it. And also NBC, with the Epstein story, they said it did not meet our editorial standards. So it took years before it came out. Same thing with, with uh, uh, Weinstein, did not meet our editorial standards. Well, guess what? Kavanaugh, oh, gang rapists all over the place. I have prepared for our interview because I knew it was going to be two hours. And, uh, you know, I don't typically come on any, I, it's the first time I've ever come on anybody's show to talk for two hours, Mel. And I was honored when you asked me. So, in service of that, I really wanted to prepare. And I have got a whole litany of things that I want to talk about today. And within that litany of things, point number, where is it here? Yeah, point number seven, I bridge into. Um, boy, I hate to even say the word without giving everybody the run-up points one through six, but cannibalism, pedivores, Pizzagate, and adrenochrome. And then I wanted to frame that up. That's a much larger discussion, but I wanted to frame up the cover-up of Pedogate and the more DC-centric problem of child exploitation and child sex trafficking known as Pizzagate. I wanted to frame that up with the Project Veritas clip of the hot mic of Amy Robach, the ABC News reporter. And I may as well play that now since you brought it up. For those who haven't heard, this is really, really important because it speaks to the fact that these mainstream mockingbird news, quote-unquote news outlets, are gatekeepers. And even in their own ranks, there are honest journalists that want to do honest reporting about these issues. And they're not allowed to do so. Before so you play the clip, before you play sure. one good question, why do you think Trump, who criticizes fake news, and they are, why hasn't he revoked the Mockingbird Law, the act? Well, let's flush that out a little bit. I don't know that it's a, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if it's an act. Now, what I do know is that the Smith-Munt Smith Act, which was revoked under that Obama in 2012, that act previously disallowed the U.S. government from using propaganda against the people. That's what I mean. Not Mockingbird, okay. but it's, it's more or less the same, the Smith-Month Act. Okay, because just to be clear, I refer to the mainstream media as the Mockingbird mainstream horror media now frequently because of CIA Project Mockingbird, which the CIA bragged, I believe in the late 60s, either just slightly before JFK's assassination or after, they bragged about the fact that they could get any headline of any story they wanted on the front page of newspapers across, across America within 24 hours. But that was during right. communism, during the Cold War. Things have changed. Right. So, But just to be clear, this mockingbird media is, and, and this gets to the root of fascism, right? What is fascism? Classical fascism, as defined by Mussolini, was the partnership or the marriage of government 
with corporations together, right, to screw the people. I mean, paraphrasing, I'm sure there's a better definition, but government and corporations working together. Well, now, because the Smith-Munt Act was um, terminated or whatever under Obama, legally, quote unquote, it's now legal for the government to use propaganda domestically against the people. So that's really terrifying because what it means is anything reported by these corporate whores that are in bed with government, we don't know if they're propagandizing, propagandizing to us on purpose. If they're in bed is a story they're telling us about a, for instance, there was an, I'm not even going to use the name of this school, but there was an event at a school a few years back, which is a lightning rod. If we mention the name of that school right. where this shooting took place on a YouTube video, you're going to get in trouble. You're going to get flagged. You might lose your channel. You might get sued like somebody I know. That's right. And uh, Mr. Fetzer. And uh, so the point here is that um, we don't know anymore if even some of these shootings are real or are they deep state propagandist events designed to propaganda. Like this really gets into the weeds and I didn't mean to get this into the weeds so quickly in our call, but people are finding that time and time again, the official story of many of these shootings does not add up in the first 24 hours with eyewitness accounts. And it begs the question, are these events that are designed to just be propaganda to come after the guns? They might be. And so when a government disables something like the Smith-Munt Act, it allows themselves and their media partners to literally lie to the people to serve hidden agendas. And I can't think of anything more terrifying than that, uh, Mel, especially when we can't trust the media anymore. They're not the fourth estate that they should be, right? The journalists are supposed to be the fourth estate. Their job is to keep government in check. (laughs) They're not doing that anymore. And as we can tell from this soundbite from Amy Robach, who unfortunately for her was caught on a hot mic and this was released from Project Veritas, she wanted to tell the real story three years ago about Jeffrey Epstein and pedophilia and the Clinton connection to it, and the higher-ups at ABC ABC wouldn't let her do it. So listen to this. So do I think he was killed? A hundred percent. Yes, I do. Because you want he made his whole living blackmailing people. There were a lot of men in those planes, a lot of men who visited that island, a lot of powerful men who came into that apartment. I mean, when I heard he was found in, I knew immediately. And they made it seem as though he made that suicide attempt two weeks earlier, but his lawyers claimed that he was roughed up by his cellmate around the neck. That was all like to plant the seed. And then, that's why I really believe it. Like, really believe it. What she's saying she believes is she believes that uh, Epstein was murdered in jail. Um, and that wasn't even actually the soundbite I wanted to play for you. So I actually had that miscued. But the point is, is that Amy had all the goods on Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell. And, uh, she had a whistleblower. She had pictures. She had the whole story. And the higher ups at ABC kept saying, who cares about this story? Nobody knows who Jeffrey Epstein is. This is stupid. Literally in her words. And so then when she found out, when she heard the news that Epstein had quote unquote killed himself, she immediately didn't believe it. She believes he was murdered 
other believes he might have been renditioned out of there and he might still be alive. I don't know, Mel. We live in a world of nearly universal deceit at this point. So it is really hard to make heads or tails of a lot of the stories we see, which is why an alternative news media, truth media like you and like my platform exist, because people are starting to suspect there's a problem. Something's rotten in the state of Denmark. You've seen lately how a lot of people are putting memes and at the end in a very funny way, uh, they say Epstein didn't kill himself. And that is true. Or let's say partially true, because I think this is just my opinion based on the facts that I've been able to gather. I think he was exchanged or renditioned out of there and somebody else was put there, uh, somebody that could be you know, a dispensable human being, if you will. But I believe that Epstein was full-blown Mossad. That home that he had in New York, $27 million, was given to him. I think that the guy ran a, an extortion enterprise. Gisley Maxwell was nothing but the pimp. She would bring everybody else. Look at the Maxwell family, her sister, uh, her father, all involved in all of this stuff for decades. And I think that the guy probably had a dead man switch and said, if I go down, Republicans, Democrats, uh, labor, conservatives, and everybody around the world, big CEOs, you're all going to go down with me. So obviously, he's going to make an, an arrangement. This is how I want it. I want out. He's probably in Tel Aviv somewhere with a plastic surgery. Who knows? But I don't doubt for a minute that the guy is alive and kicking somewhere. And the story is that somebody murdered him. Why? Because it makes no sense that you had the camera inside the cell malfunctioning. The hallway that leads into the cell malfunctioning. The guards were not paying attention. The cellmate was removed. So obviously people are going to question that. And the they, quote unquote, they decided, well, we're going to have to say that he was murdered. They bring Dr. Michael Batten to the equation, who, by the way, was involved in the JFK uh, and, and MLK, Martin, Dr. Martin Luther King's assassination, both of them. Very high-profile cases. Now we bring him to this one. He goes into the media and says, you know what? I think he was murdered. Oh, Dr. Madness said that he was murdered. Then boom, boom, close it. Just like the, the Pentagon, when years later, they they published the, uh, the little <laughs> picture or little video of a one second showing a, look like a little missile that came in. Well, most of the population said, oh, look it, that's it. It was uh, plain. I can see the, the, the imagery now. I can go to sleep again. What do you think? Well, I think you're spot on. I was going to mention the Pentagon, right? The most heavily defended building, I think, in this country, the most monitored building, I think, in this country, at least at the time, and none of the cameras atop the Pentagon worked that day? I mean, you're right. It's absolute poppycock. <laughs> it's preposterous. But I think the bigger picture here that I wanted to sort of frame up by, um, well, look, I introduced that bite sort of out of order, right? That Amy uh, Robach bite, the hot mic. And she says on that hot mic that Epstein would likely have gone down as the most notorious pedophile in American history. She was told by others. She said that Epstein was trafficking in children and using them as blackmail against powerful people. Many, many interesting things she said in that interview. And she's one of the Mockingbird mainstream media journalists. Now, for me, it's enlightening to 
hear that hot mic because it makes me realize, as we all must know, not everybody at ABC News is bad. And you know what? There's been other leaks from uh, CNN. Not everybody at CNN is bad either, but the people who control these narratives are hardcore evil. And I think, Mel, I think we're all starting to come to the conclusion that this is hardcore spiritual warfare and the agendas of the people at the very top of the pyramid, the elite global agenda, is an anti-human agenda, a 100% anti-human agenda, which bridges into climate change, which is actually where I kind of wanted to start. But since I mentioned cannibalism, pedivores, Pizzagate, adrenochrome, when I uh, sort of introduced that Amy Robach bite, I just want to flush that out a little bit further. And I want people to understand that when that whole DC Pizzagate story broke because of the leaked uh, Podesta emails, right, which we believe were leaked by um, uh, the whistleblower Seth Rich, who then paid for that leak with his life. And we have an email from John Podesta saying he's all for making an example of the leaker. And then Seth Rich, I believe a month later, was dead. So I want people to understand that the people that give us the news, the people that filter the news and control the narratives are hardcore liars and they are in service of a globalist agenda, which is anti-human. And I want people to understand, as you hear Amy Robach talk about Epstein and the Clintons and the photographs she had and her story being squashed by ABC News, I want people to understand that that whole DC Pizzagate story was sparked by the Podesta emails and the coded language he was using in his emails, which was nonsensical language that would only make sense to pedophiles. And many of the key words he was using were pedophilic words or coded words, essentially uh, acknowledged by the FBI as being used by pedophiles, right? So we know that Clinton was on the uh, Epstein Express, Lolita Express, and he went to Little St. James, um, pedophile island owned by Epstein, more than 20 times according to flight logs. Evidently, flight logs suggest Hillary was aboard that plane, I think, six times. And so when we talk about the D.C.-centric problem of child sex trafficking, And into play, into the conversation comes John Podesta, who Andrew Breitbart tweeted about in in 2011, saying how Prague guru John Podesta isn't household name as world-class underage sex slave op cover-upper defending unspeakable dregs escapes me, end quote. It begs the question, what are these people up to? And why does CNN so eagerly come to their aid, into the aid of James Alephantis at Comet Ping Pong, a pizza parlor owner, who was named the 49th most powerful person in Washington, D.C. by GQ magazine before anyone had ever heard of Pizzagate or Comet Ping Pong? And I might add, who Jake Tapper's wife, Jennifer, said was their favorite family restaurant in an interview with The Washingtonian long before any of us had heard of Comet Ping Pong. She literally said her favorite, their favorite family restaurant is Comet Ping Pong. It just really begs the question, Mel, what is going on here and what is being covered up? Because we know Hillary Clinton and Bill Clinton came to the aid of Laura Silsby in Haiti 
when she was caught trying to traffic 33 children out of the country after that earthquake. And they came to her aid to get her a lighter sentence. She only did, I think, six months. Had it been you or me trafficking kids, we'd have been locked up for a decade or more. So again, it begs the question, what are these people up to and what are they hiding? So there's a lot here, but ultimately, my friend, I think it's a very anti-human agenda, which then gets us into this climate change uh, strategy that they're rolling out. And uh, it's pretty effective. People, a lot of people are worried about it. That earthquake in Haiti always, always puzzled me because Haiti hadn't had a, an earthquake in hundreds of years. But that's not what puzzled me. I have a brother in the airline industry, and he told me that when he found out he was told about the earthquake, he sent a few aircraft with help. And already, and they were coming from an adjacent island, already there were Israeli military planes on the tarmac, already there. So almost like they came instantaneously, immediately after the earthquake. If they're coming from Israel, it would have taken them a few hours. But then we heard about the shoeboxes full of corneas. We heard about the children that were being, were being taken probably to Little St. James because it's right next door, uh, next to Puerto Rico and uh, next to uh, St. Thomas. So not to mention the millions of dollars that the Clinton Foundation collected. And Bill Clinton was in charge of the collection of the Red Cross, which another, it's an, another institution that I don't trust anymore. And so far they built what I think was two or three homes when they were supposed to build hundreds. So yeah, something is smelling really fishy there too. Well, that's right. And uh, to this day in New York City, there are still Haitians that will picket in front of the Clinton Foundation headquarters saying, where's the money? I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood, Mel, I'm going off memory here, of 10 or $12 billion that was raised for the people of Haiti that went to the Clinton Foundation. Sounds about And right. They built what? Seven houses? Mm -hmm. Two houses? I mean, they've done nothing. So they specialize in looting. Which, again, kind of brings us full circle. If you want to talk about 9-11, and I don't, we're done with that. But the day before, the day before you'll recall, uh, recall Donald Rumsfeld. $2.3 trillion. Yeah. We can't, the Pentagon can't account for two point, is it one or $2.3 trillion? $2.3, yeah. Yeah. So there's been a looting of this country. Um, Catherine Austin Fitz obviously talks about it. It's a lot more than $2.3 trillion at this point. You know, and uh, then you have the TARP bailouts. Back in 08, I think a lot more than 700 billion went out the back door. Of course, they say the banks paid it all back. Meanwhile, today, I think we have Deutsche Bank declaring bankruptcy, and they've got what 50 trillion in derivatives. Um, and then, in addition to that, we've got the repo markets now with this Fed overnight uh, lending to the tune of billions and tens of billions of dollars a night, and they're not saying who's getting the money. So, I guess when we talk about the deep state and the shadow government. We're going to mention the CIA, the MI6, the MI5, the Mossad, et cetera, et cetera. We would be remiss if we didn't include in that description of the deep state these international banks, international criminal banks, and the banks that sit above them, the central banks, the Federal Reserve and the central banks of Europe, et cetera, right? All Rothschild controlled. So when you go down this rabbit hole, It's a painful awakening because I don't think any of us have gotten to the bottom of the rabbit hole yet. It goes that deep, Mel. It's very important to discuss 
adrenochrome. It's one of those words that people don't want to hear, but I think it's important. I think I heard, don't quote me folks, but I heard something as ridiculous as a billion dollars per kilo or something along those lines. And I don't know what, I don't even want to tell you folks, you probably know by now, if you've been listening to my show for a while, how that's extracted from children. And this is what people like Hillary and some others in government, that's what they use in order to rejuvenate themselves. You remember, I think it was September 11, 2016, the year of the election. Do you remember when Hillary Kando fell and they described her in, inside of a black van? Remember that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and then a few hours later, she comes out of Chelsea's so-called apartment, which some people say it's a it's a... An urgent care facility or, or, or a little mini hospital for Hillary, she came out looking brand new. What do you think happened there? Probably adrenochrome. Well, I remember that specifically. And I remember a lot of people believing. That it was a clone. Two, yeah, that that, well, it was a body double, that that wasn't actually Hillary. Um, I don't know. Again, you get into the weeds and a lot of this stuff, right? And we have to be careful about a lot of this stuff because, you know, it makes us sound a little tinfoily and crazy to people who don't know the basics, okay? If you don't know that the Federal Reserve was founded in 1913 and is not federal but is private and was given the— And has no reserves either. And has no reserves and was given the uh, opportunity or given the responsibility or given the right to print money out of thin air. And they're answerable. The Federal Reserve chairman is answerable to no one, including the current president or any other president or anyone in government. If you don't understand that, then you're really not equipped to have a conversation about the U.S. dollar, uh, about U.S. hegemony, about uh, the end of fiat currency, about gold, about silver. You're not equipped to have the conversation if you don't know the basics. And I think the same is true as it relates to adrenochrome. If you don't understand, for instance, the UK has an enormous problem of child sex trafficking and pedophilia, and it has for decades. And it's all been covered up by the willing UK media, and it's all been covered up by the Crown because so many of them are involved in it, including Prince Andrew, who has been named specifically in this Epstein case. But it goes beyond that. It goes to Prince Charles and his best friend, Jimmy Savile. When I say best friend, I'm not saying that loosely or hyperbolically. I'm saying it 100% accurately. He liked Jimmy Savile so much that he named Jimmy Savile as godfather to his kids. Jimmy Savile is a hardcore child rapist and pedophile, and by some accounts, a child murderer and cannibal. Uh, who was also involved in necrophilia, and this all came out after his death, even though the truth media, people like David Icke and others, were reporting about it while the man was still alive. There's people like Sir Edward Heath. I believe a former, is that prime minister? But look it up, Sir Edward Heath, after his death, um, fingered by, uh, I think, his own offspring uh, as being involved in the murders of as many as 16 children. The list goes on and on and on and on. This problem of child sex trafficking and pedophilia is rampant all over the planet, Mel. And if you don't understand that, then how do you have a conversation about adrenochrome? How do you have a conversation about the unbelievable, abhorrent nightmare of not only trafficking in children for sex, but ritualize, uh, how do I say this? 
well, satanic ritual abuse, the ritual abuse of children, the torture of children, and at the end of the day, in many cases, the murder of children and the drinking of blood of the children, and then, then the extraction of adrenochrome from their brains, from their, what is it, the pineal gland? I mean, this stuff is bowels of hell type of stuff. And I hesitate to even go there because, well, your audience can handle it because your audience is informed. They, they can speak the language. But how do you have these conversations these conversations with your friends, neighbors, and colleagues who don't speak the language, Mel. Oh, believe me. This was what I deemed a roadkill 10 years ago when we started doing... I had no idea about this until somebody sent me the book, The Franklin Scandal. And then I interviewed the author, and uh, that's when I dove into that... Uh, fell into that rabbit hole, and I just could not believe it. And this was beyond... And some people used to say, you know, how do you sleep at night? And it's very difficult when you start reading all of this stuff and just cognitive dissonance comes through and you say, this is, this cannot be happening here. And you see uh, Johnny, Johnny Gotch, I forgot his name, the newspaper boy who was abducted and allegedly came home years later and told his mother, look, I'm okay, but I cannot return because he was in, in the business of, of sexual trafficking. Uh, but this was roadkill 10 years ago. Nobody used to talk about it. And guess what? I started re-uploading Interviews that had done almost a decade ago, Kathy O'Brien, uh, Nick Bryant, all those. And I posted them now and people are like, wow, Mel, great. Great to see that you are on board with this. Well, those were recorded over 10 years ago, but nobody wanted to listen to them because it was roadkill. You look at it, but you go on and you don't stop. Well, let me back you up here on something. So when we mention adrenochrome, and a lot of people still don't maybe know what we're talking about, Hunter S. Thompson wrote about it in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And then in the movie, there is a scene in which Johnny Depp, playing Hunter S. Thompson, drinks adrenochrome and goes out of his mind on the stuff because it gets you higher than anything else on the planet, evidently. And in some of the testimony from some of these children that have been trafficked, like Paul Bonacci, you guys are going to have to look this up, Paul Bonacci points his finger specifically at somebody he said was the cameraman on one of these... Um, what do you call them? Snuff films where they murdered a, a child on film. And he points to somebody named Hunter Thompson being the director of the snuff film. So tie it all together, friends. Hunter S. Thompson, who was an avid 16 millimeter film shooter, go on YouTube right now and just type it in. You'll see him shooting film and be videotape of him shooting film. He's very into the idea, I think, of being a director or a movie maker. Obviously, he was writing all of this insanity in these books right? Which he, I guess they want you to believe it's fiction. So fear and loathing in Las Vegas is fiction, even though this guy was out of his mind on drugs all the time, uh, ran in very dark circles and talked about adrenochrome in a book where nobody even knew what that was 20, 30 years ago, 10 years ago. I didn't know what it was five years ago, I don't think. So Mel, the point here is that, again, you go down this rabbit hole very, very, very deeply and you're going to find a very anti-human agenda. And let me just ask you before we lose people in the free first hour, we're probably getting close. I do want to play one soundbite for people during this free uh, first hour to help people understand how anti-human the climate change agenda is, because that's where they're going to really rope-a-dope humanity if we let them get away with it. Sure. Play it. Are you, okay, you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So, 
for those who don't know, right, so far you've heard us talk about 9-11 and people jumping out of buildings. You've heard us talk about child sex trafficking, Pizzagate, the problem of child sex trafficking in the UK, the cover-up of all of it, the cover-up of the Epstein case by ABC News. You've heard us talk about now what I've described as an anti-human globalist agenda to move us toward a one-world government. Well, how do we qualify anti-human? How do you bring that home so that you can discuss it with your wife? Your wife doesn't want to hear about all this child sex trafficking or pedophores that eat kids or adrenochrome, right? That doesn't really hit on the home front unless your child has been snatched. Here's what people need to understand. UN Agenda 2030, which again, the mainstream media isn't talking about. They will only talk about climate change and global warming. And 11,000 scientists warn climate change isn't just about temperature. This is an article from phys.org, which I'll maybe read to the audience later. But the point I want to make is that UN Agenda 2030, Mel, is the agenda to save the planet in the name of stopping global warming. Well, how do they want to do that? They want to take away all of our current forms of energy, coal, gasoline, natural gas, clean burning coal, probably nuclear, all in the name of saving the planet. And the punchline to that anti-human story, Mel, and audience, is that they don't plan on replacing those current forms of technology with anything. They're saying we have to get wind and solar up to speed. That's never going to happen. That absolutely cannot happen. It's not feasible. It's not cost effective. It, it literally can't happen, and they know it can't happen. So let me play this soundbite from Deborah Tavares from StopTheCrime.net, who I just had on the other day. And let's let her frame it up. I played this. It's 50 seconds long, and I played this at the introduction of my interview with Deborah. So here it comes. Listen. What everyone needs to clearly understand is what is occurring. What is occurring is a restriction of all resource consumption above what is needed to supply vital human needs. And that restriction is saying anything above vital human needs is immoral and that the human population must be reduced because they claim in the climate action plans usage must be reduced to 1750. This is back in the 1700s where we did not use equipment or machinery to drop the greenhouse gas emissions effectively so that we can prevent the weather from changing. There is nowhere to hide. Nowhere. These are global agendas adopted globally everywhere. Mel, could you hear that okay? Perfectly. Okay. What I just want people to understand, and again, it's not hyperbolic, they want to rewind our living standards to what we used to live in in the 1700s. They want to take away all current forms of energy, and they don't want to replace those forms of energy because they believe, and when I say they, guys, I mean the elite, but boy, they're sure whipsawing young people and college-age people and liberals all over the world to support this idea that human beings are a virus. Human beings are a plague on the planet. Human beings are the problem. And so they're pushing this climate change agenda without really telling people that the UN Agenda 2030 policy is to destroy life as we know it on planet Earth. 
literally. So when I, I hear want- all this stuff, uh, obviously they want to reduce the population. And if we go back to 1750, that means 700 million. That's what we had at that time, an estimated population a, a figure was 700 million worldwide. What's that remind you of, Mel? Uh, 700 million, the Georgia Guidestones. That's right. And then when you think of scientists coming out lately to say cannibalism should be used as a way to control climate change. And I don't mean to mix pedophilia here, but they want to normalize so many things. No, you're 100% right. And that, again, I'm going to get to that later in my conversation because I have up two articles specifically about what you said. They're pushing the idea of cannibalism. Again, it's an anti-human agenda. And how much time do we have left before we go to the next? Five minutes. Okay. I think for those that we're going to lose who don't pay for your second hour and people should pay for your second hour so they can support you and get all the valuable information that guests bring on, I want people to hear this. Again, UN Agenda 2030. People don't know what that is. It used to be called UN Agenda 21. But by 2030, they want this plan implemented, folks. So this is all fast-tracked. So these fires in California that uh, Deb was talking about, these PG&E caused fires where none of the executives go to jail, even though every single year we see these more and more horrific fires caused by PG&E. This is an anti-human agenda. It's UN Agenda 2030. And if you look at the UN Agenda 2030 uh, Wildlands map, folks, look it up, bing it. Look at that map. Look at all of the areas in this country, in the United States, that they want to make off-limits for human habitation. It's virtually the whole country. And when I first saw that map five, six, seven, eight years ago, I thought, well, nobody's going nobody's to go for that. Nobody will allow this. Nobody will buy into this plan because it's anti-human. Well, I didn't account for the fires, Mel. So if I can, before we lose, folks, I want to play this soundbite from Ann Bressington. Because when you guys hear about global warming, which they used to call global cooling, and now they use the catch-all phrase climate change. And when you hear about the climate change panic from people like Greta Thunberg, etc., and the UN, I want you to understand where the concept for global warming and climate change came from. It was invented in the late 60s by the Club of Rome. Here's Anne Bressington. Ladies and gentlemen, the origins of the environmental movement as we see it began back in 1968 when the Club of Rome was formed. The Club of Rome has been described as a crisis think tank, which specializes in crisis creation. The main purpose of this, the main purpose of this think tank was to formulate a crisis that would unite the world and condition us to the idea of global solutions to local problems. In a document called The First Global Revolution, authored by Alexander King and Bertrand Schneider, on pages 104 and 105, it stated, In searching for a new enemy to unite us, we came up with the idea that pollution, the threat of global warming, water shortages, famine and the like would fit the bill. All these dangers, of course, will be caused by human intervention, that will require a global response. That's the origin of global warming, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Did you hear that okay? I did. The first global revolution, page 104 and 105, a new enemy to unite us. We're being whipsawed, folks. 
We're being whipsawed into giving up our sovereignty, giving up our liberty, giving up our freedom, giving up absolutely everything in the name of saving the planet. And I just want people to be aware of what's going on before these things roll out in your community, because they are rolling out behind the scenes in your community right now. Just Google or Bing your state, your city, and then slash sustainability. It's all rolling out behind the scenes right now. To find out what the nearest smart city we could be coming to you. And what's happening in California, honestly, I also think California, number one, is bankrupt. And think about Puerto Rico, also bankrupt. What? How would the government make any money if they have, the taxation is super high, but the taxpayers are leaving in masses from California and Puerto Rico. Businesses are leaving as well. So the greatest way to bring revenue in is by what? Disaster capitalism. You have a hurricane, you have fires all over the place, and then guess what? FEMA comes in, you get a few billion dollars, and the contractors friends with, with Gavin Newsom and Nancy Pelosi, they're the ones who get all the money. So what is really happening in California? I want to discuss this when we come back. I have to say it's a treat for me when I have people like Sean of SGT Report because I don't get that often the opportunity to have somebody who's out there in the trench lines, you know, looking every single day at what's happening around the world without the filter of particularly the Operation Mockingbird or the Smith Munt Act, all those people like, yeah, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Cooper in CNN. These are all CIA bot reporters. They report what they're told. All you have to do is look at the 6 o'clock news and start channel surfing. You'll see that the script goes by the same way. But how can people learn more about your work, uh, Sean? Oh, thanks, Mel. Yeah, I really enjoy having this conversation with you, too. Again, I mean, I don't really typically get to have too many conversations like this outside of what I do uh, over at sgtreport.com, where uh, we like to call it the antidote to corporate Propaganda, because again, as we discussed in this interview, Mel, most of the stuff coming from the main, mainstream corporate media is propaganda. So sgtreport.com, and then of course SGT Report on Twitter and on YouTube, and then my other sites, uh, thelibertymill.com, which is kind of like the tr uh, Drudge Report of Truth News. It's kind of neat the way you guys check it out. Libertymill.thelibertymill.com. Uh, we aggregate lots of great news links every single day from a variety of trusted alternative news truth sources. And then the phaser.com where I hand select videos that because of YouTube's algorithms, newbies to this space, the, these subjects we're talking about, they're not going to find those videos, Mel, because they're filtered out. So I hand select videos every single day and I put them up on the phaser, which has kind of become a handy site now that YouTube has changed their algorithms a year ago. I didn't really know what the value in the phaser would be. And now I do because I can find these videos because I know the producers and I know the names of the channels. Newbies don't know that stuff. So thephaser.com. But thanks, Mel. I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. And by the way, folks, just so that you know, now with the way and the new algorithm YouTube has, and this is why I always tell people, just like uh, Adam Carolla says, own your pirate ship, own your own platform. VeritasRadio.com is our platform. When we issue or we upload videos on YouTube. It's a secondary platform. And it's not that we don't care that we're censored there. We do. But we work hard for our subscribers there. And now they just trickle. And a lot of people just send me comments saying, how dare you unsubscribe me? We don't. YouTube does. And also, 
if anybody wants to look for our videos or or search for them, you can no longer find them. You have to go directly to our to our channel in order to see them or click the bell on YouTube if you just want to do it that way. But anyway, when we come back, we're going to go deep into the rabbit hole because a lot of times we cannot say certain things on part one. I want to discuss the forced vaccinations that are coming. I want to discuss what is the new normal because there's a new normal and we have to either live with it or we have to fight it. And you know where we stand. This is Mel Fabregas. I'm here with my special guest today, Sean from the SGT Report. You're listening to Veritest. Don't go anywhere. Thank you for listening to the first part of this important Veritas interview. To listen to the rest and all of our material, proceed to the member section or join the Veritas family by subscribing. Click on the subscribe button at veritasradio.com. You can make your purchase with a credit card, PayPal, cash, check, money order, and even cryptocurrency. We are now accepting Bitcoin, Litecoin, and Ethereum. Don't forget to visit the Veritas store for Focus Life Force Energy, MMS, CBD Pure Hemp Oil, Divinia Water, Pure Organic Sulfur, flash drives with all our Sanitas and Veritas seasons, and other great products. And if you're listening on YouTube, like, subscribe, and share it. And click the bell to be notified when new interviews are available. Now, proceed to the members section or subscribe to listen to the rest of the interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for listening to Veritas, because you don't want to believe, you want to know.